0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to This is the Place, a podcast series from The Common Magazine on the New Books Network. The Common publishes literature and art with a modern sense of place. I'm Emily Everett, managing editor of the magazine and host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Robin Lee Carlson about her essay, Reading the Ashes, which appears in issue 24 of The Common out last fall. Robin Lee Carlson is a natural science writer, illustrator, and author of The Cold Canyon Fire Journals, Green Shoots, and Silver Linings in the Ashes. Her art and writing have also appeared in Arnoldia and The Common. Robin's focus is ecosystem disruptions, anthropogenic and natural, and how landscapes and ecological communities change over time. Her work is grounded in direct observation and documenting the world around her as it unfolds. Robin Lee Carlson, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you so much. This is very exciting, and it's great to
1: meet you. Uh, Great to meet you as well. Would you just set the scene for our conversation describe where you're calling from right now?
0: Yeah, so I am in Davis, California, and it is still um, late morning here, and it's gray and a little bit drizzly, which is incredibly rare for May weather, so I'm enjoying it as much as I can.
1: Yeah, pretty gray here, too, in Massachusetts. (laughs) Um, I would love to start off with a reading from your essay. Would you read the first few paragraphs for us? Absolutely.
0: Reading the Ashes. I walk slowly, each step sinking a little into the ground. With every footfall, a puff of ash curls upward, dusting the top of my boot and disappearing into the soft stillness of the day. It is a clear day with no clouds, but the air around me has a gentle haze a film that sometimes resolves into particles, pinpoints of ash in a slanting ray of sunlight. It has been two months since the fire, but the rising ash and the smell of smoke are strong, stinging the back of my throat and settling into a familiar ache in my temples. I've stepped off the trail to peer at a gaping hole where a tree once stood. Nearby, there are charred tree trunks, hollowed out by fire, but they are still standing, pointing blackened fingers into the fierce blue above. This tree is completely gone vaporized, leaves, branches, trunk, roots, leaving only this hole in front of me. I imagine the last embers glowing at the bottom of the hole, insatiable fire consuming the final morsels of this particular meal. The white ash that is now settling onto my pants and shoes is all that is left of the tree. I squat down and pinch some ash between my fingers. Its feel is as delicate and slippery as the sibilance of its name implies. The missing tree Its hole and I are all tucked into the bottom of the canyon and still in deep shadow as the morning light slides over the top of the eastern ridge. The slope begins just a few paces from us. When I look up the hillside, I see a constellation of scars where trees once were. In their place now are patches of ash, apparition white, showing how fully the living material combusted. Black ash means lower-intensity fire, where not everything burns completely. White ash means a high-intensity, all-consuming burn. I stand and stare releasing one held breath and finding myself holding another and another.
1: Thank you for reading that. So for our listeners who may not have read your essay yet, would you describe what the piece is about?
0: So the piece is based on standing on visiting the Canyon, um, sort of being able to actually hike in the canyon, um, after it burned, um, in a second fire in five years, um, after I had been visiting the canyon and sort of studying its, um, studying its progress after that, the first fire five years before. Um, but I had started that project, you know, a few months after the fire. So I hadn't been there right after it burned. Um, and so having watched the recovery and the, the response of, of everything in the canyon for five years, um, when it then burned again, in um, a summer of, of a huge number of fires in California, um, it was a it was a, an incredibly intense experience to be to be back there right after it burned this time, mm-hmm. and to be able to sort of see to cycle all beginning again and to be right back at the beginning and the beginning that I had missed the first time. So it was this very powerful experience of being able to take everything I'd learned over the past five years and, and you know, sort of let that inform my emotions as I stood there the second time around.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Um, and I just want to um, make clear for our listeners that uh, the piece um, which you can view online or in the print issue, um, have these beautiful um, artwork illustrations that go with it that you also made. Um, and I was just wondering, like, I never know quite how to describe them. Um, some people just call them illustrations. They're sort of watercolor with ink, but there's also notes. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about them?
0: Yeah, I, but illustration would definitely be the, the first way that I would describe them. But they're also field sketches. So mm-hmm. everything in um, that accompanies that that piece um, are, are the actual drawings that I did um, while I was visiting the canyon or in some cases finished up at home from photographs afterwards. But they are all um, based on um, the actual experience of being there and drawing and painting out in the field um, and responding to everything that I was seeing around me. So illustration or field sketch, both both are good.
1: Um, and is it, I mean, is it accurate that you you use kind of watercolors and then there's ink ink as well
0: um yeah so i um that is the thing that i use most commonly when i'm out in the field um the absolute most common is to just draw things in ink um (laughs) uh, because that's the quickest um when i take a little bit more time i do add color usually with watercolor sometimes with colored pencil but uh, i think everything in this article is is watercolor and ink
1: Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah. I've been wondering that for so long (laughs) Um, since we published this last fall and and there's lots of great notes in there. Um, Some are are sort of notes about like things you're observing, uh, like, you know, in the passage you read, you talk about um, a tree that was burned so completely that it's really just a hole in the ground because it bur- even the roots burned. And there's sort of a sketch of that with your notes, noticing that. Um, and there's also just sort of lists of the animals that you've seen and, and the birds and the plants that you've seen, common names, scientific names. It's just this wonderful sort of blending of, of I don't know, it feels like different mediums blending together. That's great. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think a perfect next question. I really would love to just before we dive into the piece, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your scientific background that, you know, that we see in this piece, you know, your studies and your work over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. So I, um, all of my education, I have a, um, a graduate degree in um, in biology, and I had originally thought that I was going to be an academic scientist. Um, I have always been most interested in questions um, about the, the the process of change, and so I started out studying evolutionary biology and thought I was going to do research in evolutionary biology, and then. Um, decided that I didn't want to specialize as much as would be required to do academic science and that I was much more interested in in communicating science and being able to learn about a broad range of topics myself and then figure out how to communicate them to other people. And so I um, left academia and um, spent a long time working on um, stream habitat restoration projects and data management and reporting and, and communicating through maps and, and data um, about stream habitat restoration and fish passage in California, um, and got to put the science background to use there and got to still be looking at processes of change on a much shorter timeframe of trying to restore stream habitats to make them healthy for, for salmon again. Um, and then as I started to think, well, I do like this kind of communication, but the kind of communication I like the very most is to be able to use the the field sketching and the illustration work that I've been doing on the side um, as my primary communication tool for science. And so I started to move into then a, um, more freelance illustration career, um, doing natural science illustration, um, for interpretive signs and posters and, and other sorts of general, general communication, things like that. And then, um, and then what I, decided I really wanted to experiment with was to then instead of just using my finished artwork, which, you know, use a pencil and a lot of erasing and it's as accurate as possible and I'm producing at home slowly over time. Um, I think there's a huge amount of value in being able to use my original field sketches to communicate because there are um, aspects of the experience that I'm having and what Mm -hmm. I'm seeing and what it means to me and what it makes me feel that are communicated with those first field sketches and are a way of engaging other people in whatever the topic it is that I'm trying to communicate um, that I think are so much more powerful and so much more effective than than finished illustrations. Sometimes everything Mm -hmm. has its place, but (laughs) I really wanted to explore really using these initial sketches as the way of communicating things to people. And so that was why the, um, when the reserve burned, it turned out to be a, a perfect opportunity to turn that idea into, um, into something, into something real.
1: Wow. You're just really knocking it out of the park with segueing to my next question. <laughs> um, Cause I was going to ask you about, um, about working on this book in general, because I think, um, uh, you know the essay that we publish is just an excerpt from from your whole book, which contains more about this canyon and more more um, of your illustrations. Um, so I would just love to hear a little bit about um, how you came to see this project as a book. Like, was it always your goal that this would be a book? How did it sort of come together once you'd started working on it?
0: yeah absolutely. Um, and also just to note the the essay in the common is actually not an excerpt from the book. It is a, oh, okay. a separate original piece of writing. Um It is a bit more um, <laughs> more poetic than than oh. the writing in the book. Um the book is definitely um, meant to be lively and engaging, but is still, I think, just a little bit more, um, uh, well, a little bit less poetic, I'm not totally sure how to say it. But anyway, <laughs> sure, so sure. I, I sort of let myself <laughs> relax into into even more lively and expressive imagery in the uh-huh. essay for the common than than in my book. And so that was, that was a really sort of exciting, <laughs> exciting transition and, and ability to be able to do that. So sorry, I just wanted to know. Yeah, so when I started the project, I, um, my primary goal um, as I said before, was just to be producing a huge amount of field sketches in a single place um, following it change over time. Um, and so that was number one. And then what came from that was Definitely not decided at the beginning. I figured it would be a great way to force me to put, um, put things online because I had been resisting doing that. And I thought, well, you know, if I have the accountability of a blog for posting my sketches and what I'm learning, um, that'll be a great way to, you know, to increase an online presence if I'm gonna be, you know, pursuing natural science illustration as a career. And so um, it was definitely the visual output that was the, the initial goal um, but definitely in the back of my mind, <laughs> I um, loved the idea of eventually turning it into a book um, and just wasn't at all sure what form that would take. Since my, since my writing background was not very extensive and was, was all in much more academic writing, I was definitely not envisioning a book in the form that, the, that my book ended up Eventually, being I was envisioning something that probably was a whole lot more academic and was sort of more, you know, an overview of fire ecology in California using this one particular place as as sort of my examples. But it would be a you know was thinking a much more academic book. But then when I started to work with Heyday um, on developing a proposal for for a contract for this book. Um, you know, their vision for it was of, of much more literary writing. And I um, am in- incredibly grateful for the process that I went through with them where they expressed confidence in my ability to do that kind of writing because I didn't necessarily have that confidence myself. And so it, I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised (laughs) that I'm, you know, that I was able to write that way. And I'm very excited of of sort of watching the progression of how I wrote that book. And then also the way that I wrote the essay for the common um, of feeling like I now have a a range of of writing styles available to me. And I'm definitely excited to to keep
1: exploring that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you corrected me then. That's really it's it's very interesting to know that this is sort of inspired by the same thing, but not exactly from the same project. Um, Yeah. So I I think the thing that I enjoyed so much about this piece, um, I mean, is something we've already touched on a little bit, which is like how the artistic and the sort of poetic prose appear right alongside the more scientific elements. So there's like a lot of rich, rich and lyrical writing, you know, more literary writing, like you said, but, but it doesn't feel like it's an opposition opposition to these like sort of ecological projects processes that you're describing or the scientific knowledge you have of, of what's happening. Um, and I'm just curious, uh, you know, it sounds like it sounds like you talked about this a little bit with, with your editors at Heyday. but did you have to think about balancing those elements or sort of maybe having all of those things together is, is your, your natural mode and is like why you gravitate towards this kind of work? That's
0: an excellent question. And I definitely am not the writing part having not been something that I have done as, as, as regularly throughout my life as the art part is definitely not something that I feel like is I'm even necessarily processing at the same time as the artistic and the scientific aspects of things, but because I've always done art as a way of, of understanding really everything around me and, and absolutely use it as a tool all throughout school to be drawing everything I was learning, um, that part, I think, that's a really natural fit. That that while I'm thinking about scientific information, I'm always visualizing it. I'm always either drawing things out or sort of imagining how I would draw them. Um, and I think a lot of my interests, I mean, it goes both ways. To the artwork itself leads me to the science as well, because a lot of my a lot of my interests sort of come from the things that I've drawn, and then I want to know more about them, and then that leads me into the science as well. And so. So, so yeah I do think that those those two coexist um, really inextricably and seamlessly um, the writing because it because it's something that I didn't have the confidence about and just haven't done as much um, definitely came came later um, but it was it was sort of an amazing experience to realize that having done all of this visual documentation over the first five years of the project um, and I mean, and I do take notes, there are notes with my drawings, although I have to add a lot of those afterwards because I'm not even thinking about taking notes when I'm first doing the drawings. Um, but it was the drawings themselves that put me right back there in the experience when I was having it. And so I could write about things that I'd experienced five years before. And I had, um, I had this immediate connection back to where I was because I had done the drawings, because I had sort of experienced that moment fully through my body, processing what I was seeing through my hand onto the paper. Um, and so that helped enormously in being able to find interesting and rich language to use to describe what was going on. And that's something I never would have expected before I actually sat down to do
1: it. That's that's really really interesting, you know. When when we're working with writers to get their pieces ready for publication, one of the most common requests or edits that we we would have for, for nonfiction writers is to put a little more of themselves on the page, like make it clear why they're here in this essay, what their role is, what their interest is in the subject, why they're telling it, why it needs to be told, that kind of thing. Um, and that is definitely not a note we had to give you <laughs> because uh, you're your role as the observer, the witness in this piece is so central to the piece. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about incorporating that, especially if it's maybe not always the most natural thing in scientific writing.
0: Yeah, that's another really good question, because it's also not the most natural thing to me either. Mm. <laughs> um, and the reason that you didn't have to say that to me is because that was a conversation I'd had with my heyday editor ah,
1: good. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> a bunch before. So I'm <clears throat> extremely familiar <laughs> with that conversation um, and with needing to think about that really, um, really carefully, because I don't like I mean the reason it took me so long to start putting anything online is because I don't particularly like <laughs> putting myself out there um, front and center I would rather it be the work um, and that's what's still nice about being able to hide behind my work online um, but so figuring out a way to put myself into the put myself into the story in a way that was um, you know that met my own <laughs> needs for for not you know, <laughs> not sharing everything. Um, and also just balanced what was an appropriate way of putting enough of me into the story that that can be a hook for other people to enter the story um, without it becoming, I mean, without it being actually about me, because I don't want it to be about me. I just want that to be yet another avenue into the story, the same way that the artwork is, um, was, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a really nice puzzle to have to sol- solve solve. Um, and it's one that I still think about a huge amount. Um, and I I'm pretty happy with, with the amount that I did that in that book, but then it was, it was another sort of experiment with the piece for the common too, in, in putting myself in it probably at about the same level, but, but definitely in a different way, in a way of, of making, um, making sort of the, the, Artisticness of the of the writing include me too in a way that I didn't necessarily feel that it did in the book. So it's it's an interesting spectrum, um, and and yeah, and I definitely love thinking about that and thinking about other ways that it could evolve.
1: Yeah, I think some of the most poetic parts in the in the piece are are when you're describing sort of your own observations, like what it feels like to breathe the ash or, or, or you know, see it curling up from your shoes and that kind of thing. Um, I think. My favorite thing, the first time I read this piece, my favorite moment was, uh, there's a moment later in the piece when uh, you reveal that, that you know, not only have you been here in this canyon before, this isn't your first walk through it, but that the fires have been here before and that the canyon burned five years ago as well. Um, I, I'm thinking more about the book. Maybe it's not a reveal in the book, but in this piece, it felt like a reveal to me um, because I think the first time I read it, I felt like... I was going through this landscape for the first time and that you were as well. Um, and I just, I was wondering if you could say more, I think it just really uh, brings forward the idea of this being a cycle. So it's a cycle, not just for the forest, but also for for you, the writer. Um, could you talk a little bit more about creating that, either that moment or just that experience of sort of having the same experience twice? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I. <clears throat> you're correct in sort of guessing that it isn't a reveal like that in the book, just because that was not a realistic way to make the book structure work. There were a bunch of because the canyon burned twice and because I sort of went through the same things twice it was definitely a challenge to figure out how to make the book structure make sense and flow well and still be you know still be a good story um, and and so the the, the resolution in the book is definitely different than in this essay and in the essay it was it was great to let that not be um, revealed up front and to let that be a surprise because because it was I sort of like I said at the beginning it was a really dramatic and intense experience to <laughs> to go through that again and and especially so because I had spent 5 years really coming to understand that fire is not for the natural world is not the cataclysm that we think it is. And that, you know, there are all sorts of species that are waiting for the fire and that's the absolute best time for them um, in the entire ecological ecosystem cycle that this is their time. This is what they're waiting for. This is not a disaster. This is perfect. And I had been coming to really understand that through direct experience and, 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 you know, through seeing what was happening in the canyon and, of course, also through reading scientific literature, I deeply believed that. But (laughs) when all of the lightning complex fires happened in California in 2020 and the reserve burned again, I still (laughs) went through the period of, oh, dear, oh, no, this is a huge tragedy. It has burned again, even though I knew that in a lot of ways it wasn't a tragedy at all. And I went through this interesting round of going... Well, I can't wait to get back there and see how you know this particular shrub that I've been following is doing, and then realize, well, but the shrub's not there anymore. But then realize, well, actually, it is. It's just only underground because the abo- above portions, uh, above ground portions of it, have burned away. But the root system is still there, and it's still alive. And so I sort of went through this m- micro scale process of relearning everything I'd learned because we have um, such a deep and visceral reaction to fire, that it's a huge tragedy, um, which is completely understandable because it is for people because there's so much, I mean, aside from it being dangerous and people dying, um, we lose huge amounts of property and it is a huge and terrible thing for humans, but but being able to truly internalize that it isn't for all of these other species out there is 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 obviously an ongoing process. And so I definitely wanted a chance for the reader to in you know go through that with me a little bit the shock of wow, this was not the first time this has already happened before. Um, And as a chance to just to bring up that five years between fire, I mean, fire is really important. And there are plenty of things that can handle a five year fire interval. But there are also other species species that can't and that are going to be gradually excluded from the ecosystem if the fires are that frequently. So it's an important way of of bringing in the, the bigger climate change picture too.
1: Yeah. Well, I definitely think you made the right choice then to make it feel like a reveal because I absolutely had that same emotional experience of sort of walking through it the first time and feeling like it was maybe a tragedy or, or at least something very harmful. And then sort of, you know, experiencing later the the feeling that this is just part of the cycle and and not necessarily a bad part of the cycle. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder, um, I often ask writers about like how they feel about a piece, which was often published kind of a while ago. Like if it, if it published last fall, you maybe wrote it even a year before that. Um, And I think that's always an interesting question, but especially in this case, I feel like you must be so aware of what's continuing to change in the canyon. And, and I assume you're still walking there and still observing it. So I just wonder, like, is it strange to have this out in the world as sort of a permanent record when when you're seeing all these different changes and sometimes just like an urge to sort of add to it?
0: (laughs) yeah I am sure that I will. I haven't gotten to that point yet because it has now still only been well at least I haven't gotten to it in a dramatic way. Um, it's only been three years since that second fire. And so um while I do constantly think of tiny updates of, oh, look at this. I hadn't seen that before. I wish I could add that to the <laughs> to the book or to the essay. um but but because I'm still within those the five years that I experienced the first time,, um, there's not I don't feel as though i'm 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 adding huge new pieces to the story. I know that there will be differences, and so what's what's interesting is is sort of waiting to see um. You know, maybe by the time another five years have gone by what the differences are between the two again, because five years is a shorter interval and it is going to have impacts but but I don't feel like I've quite gotten there yet, but I am fully expecting (laughs) to have all sorts of things where I think oh man, (laughs) I wish I could add that and that.
1: Well, um, you know, if you do write something in in five more years, you know where to send it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great idea. <laughs> um, I, this piece doesn't, I feel, you know, tangled too much with climate change. I mean, of course, it's sort of implied anytime you're talking about forest fires and that kind of thing. But I wonder, I mean, I assume that there's more in the book that deals with, um, you know, human impact on these sorts of things. And, and, and I wonder, you know, what, what you feel the relationship is between writing and sort of talking about those issues of climate change.
0: Yeah, so it was definitely um, something that I um, had very consciously in my mind the whole time putting the book together. And I had, I had started writing the book before that second fire. So the original concept for the book was was quite different. Than the final one in a lot of ways because I hadn't realized I was myself going to be going through this shortened fire cycle, um, and having and you know an even more natural segue into that kind of conversation. And so, um, yeah, definitely in the book I talk about the implications and talk about some of the things that that researchers have seen already in um, in both this canyon that I'm studying and nearby places that have burned a bunch of times recently and some of the changes that they're seeing and what that means compared to what's happening in the rest of the state and in the West um, with shortened fire cycles. And also just, of course, <laughs> the the things that you can't really tease apart that we've had, you know, a whole lot of drought um, and rising temperatures. And so you know, what is fire and what is those things? Um, it, you know, it's impossible to know for sure, but all of those together are certainly making huge changes. And then the other thing that I had the opportunity to talk about in the book that is, um, Directly related to that was I've had the opportunity to um, attend and observe some some um, cultural and um, prescribed burns um, as part of looking at you know some of the choices that we can make about helping and being being part of the solution um, to. Um, to the, the, the problems of great wildfires because the more that we can um, introduce um, cultural and um, controlled burns onto the landscape, areas that have burned um, at a healthy frequency um, in that way, then when larger wildfires come through are are considerably less devastated um, by the wildfires because they have that ongoing resiliency that fire introduces. And so I was really glad to have the opportunity to address all of that in the book, because that was very much my motivation of starting the project in the first place is I would like to use, a direct experience of my own watching one place that I can get to watching it change and letting that serve as an example and an invitation to other people to observe the places that they have around them and what's going on. Um, as as the environment changes, and let that be a way to then understand what's happening in the rest of the world, and to be able to to, to understand and to react and and um, and to to help us make good decisions about how we approach um, climate change.
1: No, I really love that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, again, I think you're I think you're succeeding there. <laughs> um, always our, our last question. Um, I wonder if you'd tell us what you're working on now or, or what's next from you.
0: Yeah, so I'm
1: just incredibly excited to
0: have had this opportunity to, to publish a book and to have this experience writing and to gain confidence in the kind of um, you know, literary science writing, um, to reach a broad popular audience, um, and to be able to combine that with my artwork. And so I'm, uh, very much hoping to write more books, more essays. Um, I have a few ideas of fire related follow-up books that I'd like to do. I would like to address, um, Um, controlled um, cultural prescribed burning more. Um, And I'd also like to possibly do um, a sort of a more species portrait based um, and then also broader scope, maybe California wide um, book about how species respond to fire and what it means for them. Um, And then I've got a bunch of other interests too that I would love to explore. Um, So I am definitely excited about the possibility of of future writing and artwork, um, projects.
1: Oh, that's great. That sounds wonderful. Robin Lee Carlson, thanks so much for joining us. It's been really great to talk with you.
0: Thanks, Emily. This has been a wonderful
1: conversation. Thank you. Listeners, you can read Robin's essay and subscribe to the latest issue at thecommononline.org.